Morning Liberty. Well, hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name's Chuck. Hey, my name's Nate. I was totally waiting on you to do the intro that time, and then I feel like you were also waiting on me to do the intro that I, time. I, uh, well, I did that on purpose. Oh, okay. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. I like tried to fool you. We should maybe draw names like a, worked. a daily rotation for who's going to talk first. No, I don't like that idea. Just to keep it fair. No, what I want people to know is you are on the Good Morning Liberty podcast, and I want you to hit that subscribe button. Is that a button somewhere near their finger that they could hit that says subscribe that will send this episode directly to their phone? Yes. And every new episode that we release? It's purple. Well, good. If they're on an Apple device. I I don't know. You know, one of the big disadvantages we have is that neither one of us have any kind of Google-based phone whatsoever. No. So we get messages from people and they're like, oh, hey, your podcasts aren't updating to... Google, and I'm like, I literally can't look and see if that's happening. You can't. I've tried. I can tell you on Spotify, I know you click the follow button. Yeah. It's just like the subscribe button. Well, just follow on Spotify then. Right. Follow on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And Google on Google. And yes, do whatever (laughs) you need to do on Google. So we got to talk about this whole, I mean, we already did an episode on this, but a lot more stuff happened over the weekend, and we have to talk about the whole thing that's going on with the Kurds and with Turkey. Are we going to do a weekend update? This is our this is our weekend update. This, <laughs> this is, is a Good Morning Liberty weekend update. This is everything that happened over the weekend. Now, one video that we saw over the weekend was Senator Rand Paul going on The View, which I don't know if it's good for him health-wise, to tell you the <laughs> truth, with all the problems he's having. I don't under, because I feel like I have to stop listening to it because I'm so angry. I don't know how he sits there with those people just like yelling at him for for 10 minutes. I think politically it's a good move though because it you is. can see how tyrannical the left is. Yeah, and oh by the way, I mean uh, slight kudos to the view for continuously having Rand Paul on there. He's been on there several times. Yeah. So they're not exactly just shutting him out, not allowing his viewpoint. He is advertising his new book, which is called The Case Against Socialism. And they put the book up there on the screen. They said, this is Rand Paul, new book, Case Against Socialism. And, and hey, they are giving him a platform with millions of people, probably, to to hear what he has to say. So, hey, that is, it's good for them. I for will say, that. I mean, we're going to get into this, but what's funny is he's on the show, but they don't really let him speak. No, <laughs> so no, they don't. There's that. What else are we talking about? Well, I, we've got some comments over the weekend. We have some comments section to talk about, and it's going to be pertaining to socialism and the fact that we are the most wealthy and prosperous nation in the world. And it's ridiculous to think that we cannot provide all of these things to our citizens when all of these other countries do it and no one's ever failed before doing this. So yeah, um, we, we need to talk, we need to address that. Yet and, again. and all the, you know, all the rich people are hoarding everything. Oh yeah. 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 They're hoarding all of their wealth. No one can get to it at all. Yep. It's, it's under their mattress. I think it's all those democratic socialist memes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, well, you know, let's do a, uh, I'm just going to put you on the spot here. Because this morning we had about 50 things we could talk about Yeah, that yeah. happened over the weekend. So let's do a quick uh, three-minute over-the-weekend news headline okay. run through. Okay, so I was going through this weekend, and anytime I see a news story, 
anytime I see a news story, I save it in this uh, in the notes on my phone where I just am looking at different podcast topics. And somehow this weekend, I kept being like, man, I've already got this one. I, already got I ended up with like 25 different news stories that I feel like we could do a full episode on. Yes. So we are just packed full of content. And even if some of these are late, the conversation is still... It's still important, I think, regardless. So we had a story we're going to cover. Um, this is a... Can you pretend to be like a news anchor too? Sure, Cause... sure, sure. And now, sure. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez <laughs> over the weekend had a $300 haircut. Like that's one that was there. And I think what we should do, you should run through these. And okay. then what should happen is any listener out there, you guys should hit us up and let us know which one you want us to take a deep dive on. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, Charlie, over the weekend... The truth came out about the fact that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez did, in fact, pay $300 for her own haircut in Washington, D.C. Now, I don't know what the normal price for a Washington, D.C. haircut is, but that's a pretty, that's a pretty high price for a haircut. Especially Source, for a bartender. Yeah, and so what's being suggested on this is, of course, it's not her fault. It's the fact that women are forced to pay more for everything when it comes to those kind of products. So we, we can talk about that fact if you want to. Also news in the headlines over the weekend where the, the case of this 13-year-old girl from a school in Kansas that, that was arrested for making a finger gun towards someone. She and she's probably going to be placed in a different school, probably one for people who are misbehaving. So she likely. pointed at someone. She pointed a finger gun at someone. Um, and so the thumb was up. The thumb was up. So okay. it was loaded. Okay. It was loaded. Trigger was back at that wow. point in time. That's yeah, a scary situation. It was very scary. What eventually they disarmed the girl and took her into custody. Um, I guess they just dis- disfingered the girl and took her into custody. Uh, so <laughs> any casualties? Yeah, there were no casualties, no injuries. Although there were several people that report uh, that are reportedly um, sad. So uh, we'll see. Don't we'll- worry. The counselor is set up for all of the students <laughs> to visit. So also over the weekend, California governor approved what is now the broadest gun seizure law in the country. Yes, that is in fact a red flag law that is stating that your uh, the people that you work with, your coworkers, your family, your friends, anyone can file some kind of restraining order if they think that you are in fact a danger and they are pushing for you to be able to have your guns removed for up to five years if someone reports that they think you're dangerous. So nothing to worry about everyone. This is the, they, they don't want to take nope. your guns. Nope. No one, we th- just want some common sense. This is common sense gun confiscation. Obviously, all you crazy Second Amendment supporters are just overreacting and fear-mongering. There's no way that they actually want to take your guns at, at all. No, the yeah. bill actually allows for uh, these kind of quick warrants so police officers can come into your home to take the guns. This is not requesting for you to turn them in. They can actually go into your house and remove the guns. So that's great. That's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, also, in a town hall, Beto O'Rourke, who, yes, is in fact still running for president, just in case you wondered. <laughs> uh, they are allowing anyone who has at least two to three people in support of him to still run for president, apparently. So Beto said in the town hall that churches who do not support gay marriage should have their tax-exempt status removed, mm. taken away. Yeah. Yeah. So if you do not align with whatever the political correctness of the day is, he thinks that your tax exempt status should be ta- should be taken away. 
I, I wonder if that goes for every single charity that they can think of also. In any charity that does not align, it does not support gay marriage, I guess you could take away their tax-exempt status for the charity. Or whatever other arbitrary thing you can think of. Yeah, and, and good, news, uh, good news, some pro-capitalism news right here. Elon Musk, billionaire, uh, owner of Tesla, SpaceX, started PayPal, all those good things. The Boring Company. <laughs> the Boring Company, uh, Solar Roof, all kinds of good stuff. Well, he has, well, not him personally, but they have started to install the water filtration stations in the Flint school districts. Yes, a billionaire capitalist investor is now paying for water filtration systems to go into Flint to save the children from the government water. Because one thing you haven't heard about is the Flint government is still not competent enough to fix the problem that is killing kids, by the way. Yeah, and uh, in addition to that, he went ahead and bought Google Chrome laptops for everyone who is in junior high in Flint. So the, <clears throat> the headline should read, <clears throat> Government Kills Kids, Billionaire Saves Them. That's exactly the story. There you go. Right there. That uh, We'll write that up. We'll yep. write that up in a little bit. Oh, there was also a blackout in California. I don't know if you heard about this. The interesting part were that even was that even people who live on solar power were, in fact, without power during this power blackout. Hmm. It's pretty... Pretty comical, pretty comical. But their solar panels, since they don't have a way to store the energy that is created by solar panels yet, well, then you really can only use these solar panels while they're creating energy and the sun goes down, something like that. You don't have any energy anymore. And so they have this backup power. They're still connected to the actual power lines. So when they receive the solar power, they're not drawing power from from like everyone else is. And then when the solar panels are no longer producing power, well, they switch to using the city or state power or whatever it is. And the latest reports indicate the sun still goes down every night. Yes, we are in fact projecting that that will continue happening throughout at least the next decade. We don't know anything past then. Yeah. Sorry. Climate change may affect it, but we don't know yet. Uh, female athletes are now taking a stand against transgender athletes who are winning all of these competitions. This is happening a lot up in the Northeast, I think in Connecticut mainly. But there is a girl who tried to qualify for the uh, Northeast Regionals, basically, trying to get in front of some college scouts, trying to uh, play in, or compete in some, some big arenas. And there were two places available uh, in her region to go to the Northeast Regionals, and they were both taken by transgender athletes, that is, biological males who were competing in the women's sports. Hmm. And she has now filed a complaint. She is trying to get the federal government to do something about that now because she said this is going to uh, de-incentivize girls from participating in sports because she admits that when she knows a transgender athlete is lined up with her, there she has no chance of beating them at, at all. So she's not you know, hating on women or anything like that, but I think the, the <coughs> biological factor behind that is that if a man and a woman both work out and do the exact same workouts for an entire year, the man will still be stronger than the woman at the at the end of it, just biologically. It's yes. just it's just kind of how it happens. So she is saying that these sports need to be separated between biological men and biological women if they want to keep women's sports. So I don't know. We could probably talk about that sometime. I think CrossFit did the same thing because uh, that's that's when I do work out. Typically, I do some CrossFit workouts. And they actually, uh, they included trans athletes to compete now. Yeah. And so uh, they like regulate testosterone levels and stuff, but it still doesn't 
doesn't change the biological yeah. structure differences between males and females. Yeah. So that's coming out of a, a science journal from the 1890s. It's actually a, it's 15 of women's world uh, uh, lifting, um, I guess, records. 15 of those records are now held by transgender athletes, biological males mm-hmm. of women's world records are now held by uh, biological males. So we could talk about that. FBI released a statistic saying that in 2018, five times more people were killed by knives than by rifles in 2018. So you want to ban those assault rifles? Well, I, I think <clears throat> I saw a report. David Hogg, yes. the uh, student activist who's now not a student anymore, still an activist though, uh, recently came out against knives, I believe. He's dropping the assault rifle ban march and is coming out with the knife knife. Oh no, he's not. No, no, he's not no, doing he's that. Not doing that. <clears throat> he wants you assault th- rifles ban. Yeah. You would think that David Hogg would be behind a knife ban. Yeah, and we should all move to the. Have you seen the plastic knives that I've seen? I think Billy Mays used to do something on that. Yeah, he died. <clears throat> I think I saw an infomercial about plastic uh, knives that cut your tomatoes just like a a regular. Oh yeah, I have seen those. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. So what we should do <clears throat> is all move to plastic, sharp plastic. Those knives because still look pretty sharp, I, I would say. I mean, tomatoes are no joke. I know. Yeah. So we should all get behind a, a knife ban, clearly, because five times more people killed is well, not good. We'll be, Common uh, sense. We'll be starting that Facebook group, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, uh, liberty-minded individuals against knife violence well, is what we'll name it, and yes. everyone can join in on that if they want to. Um, so if you're not against <laughs> violence, you're just a bigot. Going back to the environment, Mises wrote a great article. If you're concerned about the environment, if you want us to move towards green energy, if you really, really care about the threat of climate change, and that's something you care about, then you do not want socialism because socialism stops innovation. And so what Mises is arguing is that socialism itself is the greatest threat to the environment because what we need is more capitalism. We need more innovation. We need more Elon Musk people out there. Bill Gates. We need more Bill Gates people out there that are creating actual solutions to these problems, not just waiting on the government to solve it because the government is generally bad at doing everything that does not involve killing people. You know what I found most interesting about Bill Gates and his nuclear power plant? What's that? The Terra Power thing. He hired like the guy that invented basically the hydrogen bomb. Yeah, how that's crazy right. is that? That's right. Yeah, yeah. So if you <laughs> want somebody who was overseeing some nuclear power, maybe that's the guy you want. Um, another story here. This was from the Blaze, but uh, an Ohio Dollar General was robbed over the weekend, and the store clerk. This was an armed robbery, and the store clerk was carrying. So the store clerk shot and killed the armed robber. Well, his family is very upset. The family of the armed robber is now arguing that the store clerk is at fault for killing this person, that that uh, they should not have shot him, that they he was just robbing the place, and that there's no reason that that person should have pulled the gun and shot him. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. for sure. He was just stealing from a big corporation. <clears throat> yeah, and this story from Business Insider, really interesting. There was this big movement against Amazon, this grassroots, in, in quotations, movement against Amazon, calling them an, a monopoly and talking about all the terrible things that they do. This grassroots movement was found now to actually have been funded by Walmart. So <laughs> that's... wow. 
<laughs> if you can imagine such a thing. Imagine that. Yeah. So that was actually most of the news stories that I had there. There's a couple other ones in here um, that maybe we can throw in uh, uh, some good conversations about. But yeah, that was my roundup of the weekend news. I want to add one more to that. Uh, I don't have a headline here from any article place, but I do want to say that I know, and you should know, there is an impending recession coming. There is. So the financial markets and the economics is very, very important. You should be paying attention. That's the main thing you should do in life. Pay attention to what's going on. Pay attention to what the Federal Reserve is doing. If you don't know enough about it, you should ask us to talk about it <laughs> or do some research. Yeah, do a little bit of research. Yeah. Look at the fact that we are we're doing uh, not QE right now. That's It's not QE, Charlie. We've just put about $500 billion into the market from more the Federal that. Reserve. It's more than that. Yeah, it's... It's, it's, it's like <laughs> $700 billion. We're at the bailout for the banks level of money that has been put into the stock market over the last few weeks, and no one's talking about it. Yeah, no at, one's saying anything. No one at all. So Just a few people who know it's coming. Yeah, so um, uh, just just be ready for this when it happens. I have to tell you, that was fun. It was fun. I kind of like that. We should do the news more often. Yeah. Just give some quick headlines, maybe a few thoughts about it, and then yeah, and then anything we want to take a deep dive on, we're going to, which we're going to on this whole Syria madness. Yeah. Um, pull the troops, don't pull the troops. Pull the troops, don't pull the troops. I choose both. Let's do both of them. <laughs> Let's pull the troops and, and not pull the troops. keep them there at the same time. Let's have no wars, but keep our armed service people in wars. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what we should do. I think that's the solution here. Now, if you want to know your history on the Kurds and Syria and Turkey fighting the Kurds and NATO being allies with Syria and Turkey being a NATO ally with the United States and France and Great Britain, UK and all that, if you want to know the history of all of that, the Ottoman Empire, everything, the first place you should turn to, I know, is The View. <laughs> Absolutely. That's that's your educational source for the Middle East. That's actually how we got our information from last week's episode when we covered this. Was yeah. We're like, you know, I want to figure out the history. I want to go to people who are well-versed and well-studied in all of these issues, who have no political biases in their thinking whatsoever. Let's just get a good historical lesson on this. So we went to, of course, this column that uh, Whoopi, uh, Whoopi Goldberg has, because yeah. that's that's what she does. She's a historian. In case you don't know what The View is, it's a daytime television show with uh, Whoopi Goldberg and some other, uh, some other women, obviously, Empower the Women, there's some other columnists on there. I think there's there is one Republican. I can't remember what her <clears throat> name is. Is that um possibly Mc, McCain? Yes. Okay. I think yeah. I think McCain's daughter's on there. Yeah. Um <clears throat> well, he's passed away now, so. Yeah. But uh his daughter's still alive. Yes, and she is. Yes. She was there. And there they I think they cycle a few people every now and then. Um I think some people have gotten in trouble so they got kicked off the view whatever. But anyway, it's a it's a I'm not saying obviously Women should obviously have an opinion, and I think a lot of people watch The View and they enjoy the show. Uh, but that's what it is. It's a daytime t- opinionated television show, and uh, it's where we got all of our great information. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> if you didn't know what that was, uh, check it out and and let us know. Well, um, so Rand Paul went on there over the weekend. You sent me this video. I guess it was over the weekend. Maybe it was Friday, something, something like that. You sent me this video of him on there, and... Kudos to him for 
suffering through that once I again. Was furious. Yeah, I had a tough time watching it. Uh, my wife was like, "Why? How can you even watch that? I don't. I do not understand how. Why he even goes on that show? Yeah, you know. But hey, uh, good job to him. And once again, like we said at the beginning of the show, good job to them for taking people with different opinions and putting them on the show so they can at least talk about them for a minute without getting interrupted. Well. Well, of course. Yeah. So the so the Syria Kurds Turkish conflict is top news, right? And just so you know, Senator Rand Paul sits on the Foreign Relations Committee. He's probably one guy that would know some things about foreign foreign relations. He's actually a guy that President Trump sent to Iran to try and negotiate some terms as a with diplomat. Him. Yeah, so um, he knows a few things about this conflict that's going on, and so of course. Everyone on the View would want to ask, uh, essentially, an expert in foreign relations what his thoughts were, and then kind of take that, digest that. Is that what happened? Yeah, they were trying to gather some information, and so they could form their informed opinions yeah. on, on this. Yeah. Now, is that what happened? Um, no. Okay. No, no, that's not what happened. So we'll we're going to play some clips from this interview, and we'll talk about uh, what they were saying and some of what Rand Paul's responses were. So here we go, Whoopi. We talked about his wanting to pull troops out of Syria and everyone saying, uh, if we do that, we're abandoning the Kurds. That's not a good idea. Not a good idea. And a lot of folks are saying he crossed the line with a bad decision, but you don't say that. Why? You know, one of the things I've always supported about President Trump is actually one of the things I liked about President Obama, that we said we were overextended, that the Iraq war was a mistake. I think it's one of the reasons President Obama beat Hillary Clinton, because Hillary Clinton had supported the Iraq war. I still think the Iraq war regime change in the Middle East and these wars are senseless. So does President Trump. He doesn't want to get us involved in another Iraq war in Syria. If anything, Syria is more complicated. The other is a practical concern. You have 50 soldiers. They're talking about moving 50 soldiers. Who goes to war with 50 soldiers? You have 50 soldiers and tens of thousands of Turkish troops amassing. The Turks are also allies. The Free Syrian Army were our allies for seven years. They're allied with the Turks. The Kurds have been our allies. The Kurds in all likelihood are now going to be allies of Assad to try to carve out a place in Syria for themselves. It's a really complicated question. I guess from my perspective, I say any of these people... So... <clears throat> he's doing his best to try and lay out the scenario. Mm -hmm. That was about the longest amount of time that they let him actually talk about what's actually going on. And actually his prediction came <clears throat> true, by the way. What's that? The, the Kurds would align themselves with Assad. Oh, yeah. To carve out themselves a space in Syria. So that is some, did, what happened this weekend. Right. And if you didn't you know, listen to our last episode that we, that we had on Thursday, go back and listen to it because I gave you some of the history of why the Kurds want their own space. They want a Kurdistan. And so now what's happened, as uh, Rand Paul predicted, which he would know because he's on the Foreign Relations Committee. So a guy you should probably listen to uh, about foreign relations and foreign policy. He would know that the Kurds, because Turkey and the Syrian Free Army uh, are aligned to take the Kurds out, the Kurds would align with Assad in Syria to give, you know, get some of their own land so they could eventually set up a Kurdistan and practice their own beliefs. Now, this part is important because I saw, I don't know if you did, but I saw videos all over Twitter and in the news about the genocide that's taken, about the people who are being killed by the Turkish army already. So that's sad, and I don't want to see that. First off, I'll say that's it's terrible. Any war is terrible. It any, is. Anytime it is. Um, what I put in my article that I wrote this morning 
was that while that is sad and terrible, um, and this is just being blunt and honest, it's not sad enough and terrible enough that I'm going to get on a plane and go over there and start fighting for them, which is what you would do if it were, in fact, that sad. Um, instead, what most people are doing is they are uh, offering up other people's children to die instead. Right. Uh, so we, we have to first realize that response, which is that I don't care about it enough, but I want you to go over there and die. That's that's most people's response. Yes. So uh, that's what we're seeing here. But now this, this thing that's been happening, it, over the weekend, we saw a video of people being people being killed. I saw, you know, people with their children who have been killed. And of course the media is going to pick out those videos because it is sad and terrible. I think right now there's 11 <clears throat> confirmed deaths and about 70 injuries. Yeah. Um, and what we're not going to hear about much now is the fact that immediately the Kurds went and formed an alliance with Assad. So now the Syrian government can help them stave off the Turkish government while they're doing this, which is what should happen because I don't know if you've looked at a map, Charlie, uh, or the people at home, if you've looked at a map, but we're not <clears throat> as we're not very close to Syria uh, as far as in in location. Mm-mm. So the in this Kurdistan and all it's much much closer. And now I have not pulled the actual mileage data from it, but Kurdistan is much closer to Syria even closer to the UK and Spain and France and all those countries in Europe, they're all very much closer to each other. And I wonder why it's automatically our job to take care of this. That's always my question. Like, why is it, we're on the other side of the world. You know, well, why Whoopi, is it our job? Whoopi said it's not a good idea. Yeah. I, and I guess, you know, she's, she is very well versed in the issue. Uh, now she also wants to bring up the fact that these are our allies. So we have to do it. All right. So, if you have allies and they are working with you and fighting with you and 24 hours somebody wakes up and says, no, we're out. Right. Is that the right way to do this? I think the way we look at wars, we don't look at no, out. No. No, no. Now, first, what I want to say on that, I'm just pausing that. She says now up in 24 hours, we just decide that we're going to leave. One thing that people don't really realize is that Trump first started pulling people in 2018. He's, and he announced that we were going to be pulling out of Syria. So uh, I know that this did happen really quickly. They they did the specific the instant. specific yes. one happened very quickly, but this was a decision to to leave Syria. This was a decision that was made uh, about a year ago. So the, it it isn't just all of a sudden we were going to stay in Syria forever and they were depending on us for their safety forever, and then all of a sudden we decided we were leaving. That's not really the case. We told them like a year ago that we were going to start pulling people. Actually, they withdraw 2,000 troops from Syria in December of last year. I, I looked that up. So they were already pulling people out of Syria. They left some of them up there in the north to help the Kurds. And while this was a really quick decision um, or kind of abrupt, I, I don't want it to come across as something that they just never thought was ever going to happen. You know, that, That's not really the case. At all. So uh, back to the allies. Well, yeah. but I also I, I want to give some history behind this, too, because the, one of the main reasons for this conflict has to do with an oil pipeline. So so you have to think, who are Syria's allies? Well, one of Syria's allies is Russia. Yeah. And the reason for that is because Russia wants to put a pipeline through Syria and some other places. And <clears throat> what uh, 
what the other forces, Turkey and, and those guys, want to put, and Saudi Arabia mainly, want to put a pipeline through uh, Iran yeah. and Iraq. And so, um, or I'm sorry, I got that backwards. They want to put a pipeline, the, the, the Turkey, Saudi Arabia, those guys, they want to put a pipeline through Syria. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> and what Saudi Arabia wants to do is put a pipeline, I'm sorry, and what Syria wants to do is not put a pipeline through them. They want Russia and Syria want to put a pipeline uh, through Iraq and some other places. So what's, so what's happening is you're having this territorial battle about where this pipeline is going to go to and who's going to you know, oversee it or whatever, because that means money for that country. Yep. Right. And obviously Saudi Arabia wants it. Uh, and then Russia wants it. So you have two pretty <clears throat> major forces there. And some other history behind this is, is that if the, when, when Rand Paul was right about talking about uh, the Kurds having an ally with Assad and what happened was, you know, we took out Libya, we took out Iraq, there were coups. They tried to take out Assad. And they've been trying to take out Assad for a while, but he actually stayed his ground. And so since and Assad is allied with Russia, and so it's going to be very difficult to take this guy out. But here's what's kind of lining up. And I'm going to make a bold, crazy prediction here. What's kind of lining up is that Turkey, which is a NATO ally. And if you guys don't know about NATO, it's a contractual obligation that if anybody attacks Turkey, then we would be obligated to help defend them as a NATO ally. Anyone else in NATO, the UK, France, whatever, all of those people are NATO. So what's happening here, just as Rand Paul predicted, the Kurds have now aligned themselves with Assad and the Syrian government to push back against Turkey. So, and Syria is backed up by Russia. So if Turkey ends up attacking Syria because Assyria is now aligned with the Kurds, that means Russia might respond to, to Syria and to Turkey. Well, if Russia responds to Turkey and ends up attacking Turkey, then all of a sudden the United States and Russia are at war. So you have NATO versus Russia and China, and it's going to be World War III. You, That's exactly what's lining up. That wouldn't be good. No. You're the saying, opposite of good. You're saying you want that? No, 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 I'm saying okay. that's the, that's like the perfect storm that's brewing right now. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Well, that's a part of the reasoning behind not wanting to form all of these entangling alliances, right? Uh, because really, just the entangling alliances just end up leading to a, a world war eventually. Well, so, and you, so we made a comment <clears throat> about that on Thursday, and to go a little bit deeper on entangling alliances from Washington, Washington alluded to this in his farewell address, and. Thomas Jefferson at first was against it, but when he became president later on, he realized that you can't form forever alliances. You should only form temporary alliances yeah. that eventually fade away because obviously things change. And what George Washington was alluding to is that you can't have uh, these entangling alliances because these types of situations happen and it hurts the U S and hurts uh, commerce and all that, all that stuff. And this all happened because, you know, if they were such allies with great Britain that, and, and France, by the way, and France was wanting America to help them defeat the Britons, but also they were, Britain was like America's best e-commerce trade, right? That's where they did most of that. 
And so the entangling the alliances part, these kind of situations can happen and all you do is hurt the United States. And one problem with this is that uh, war is actually a, it's a real thing and it really affects actual people. And I think the, that's the, the point that Rand Paul was trying to get across is that we, you know, these are our people. These are Americans that we're putting in danger over here. And, and that's kind of what comes through in this next this next little scene. Of his but we're here. Yeah. We're and not really we're, here. We got 50 people. We're, we're, we're not here. doing yeah, anything. Yeah, but frankly, well, people hold on, hold on. very symbolic. Hold on. And that is why yeah. and, it and kept you tell their Turkey that. from invading. You, you tell their parents Isn't that. Isn't that true? You tell the parents of those 50 kids how great the symbolism was when a suicide bomber blows up all 50 but kids. But didn't it you keep Turkey from invading? No, no, no. no so, so that's a, she's, she basically says that this is a symbolic alliance that we're keeping these 50 people here. Yeah. And so he, he rightly responds with, you know, okay, well, when they all get killed by a suicide bomber, you tell their parents how important that symbolism was, that right. they were there, you know? It's a real thing. Like These are people that are, we've lost over 6,000 troops over there in the Middle East in the last 20 years. This is a real, actual thing that we have to deal with. So you want to keep somebody else's son or daughter over there as a symbol. Yeah. Like, that's more important than the actual lives. Now, these people on The View, I, I don't know that they're net worth, but I, I reckon they've got enough money to fund a lot of people to go over to the Middle East and decide that they're going to fight. And be symbols. Actually, probably more than the 50 troops that we have there. I bet they can pay for more than 50 people to fly over there and fight with the Kurds. I'm, I'm sure they could. I bet they could. They could actually afford uh, for themselves to go over there, you know, that they don't really just have to send other people. Um, but if that's they not, really want to defend their friends. Yeah, if they really care about it. Yes. If they really, really care about it. So uh, once again, I, I think Paul was right on that response, and then he's going to talk about how these are the same people that always want us in war. I let you talk, you let me talk. These are the same people... <laughs> These are the same people that would still have us in Vietnam. These are the same people who always say, stay at war, stay at war, stay at war. It has not helped us. We've been in Afghanistan for 19 years. The same people complaining about this. The Cheneys, Lindsey Graham, you know what they say about Afghanistan? It would be precipitous to leave. We've been there 19 years. There's no mission, and I'm not sending out one more kid. Okay, so... Another valid point there. I mean, the same people who are saying we can't leave them, we can't leave them. Like, when is it okay for us to leave them? Right. Because that's the thing in Afghanistan. Every time we talk about leaving, they're like, oh no, we can't leave. This would be a bad idea. It's going to create a power vacuum and people are going to come in there and, and have, you know, ISIS is going to take control over everything. So are we ever going to leave any of these places? Because I remember when George Bush was president. It was this evil, evil fact that we were always supposed to be over there, that they had no plan to ever leave, that this was all terrible, that our whole plan was to go over there and destabilize the region region and never leave. Uh, I even saw, it, if you ever watched that, did you ever watch that movie, W? Um, no, it was pretty good. Josh Brolin played uh, George W. Bush. Um, it, it, was a, it was a pretty good movie. Um, and... When they're one of the things they did in that movie is when they're giving George Bush the briefing. Um, this is Dick Cheney kind of talking about what they're going to do in Iraq, and uh, Bush asks him what the uh, exit strategy is, uh, and he t- he tells him that there isn't one. We we stay there. That's that's the point, and that's kind of where we're at right now. We can't leave anytime we ever talk about leaving. Yeah, a- anytime. He made a good point. It's like these same people, like they would have stayed in Vietnam, they would have stayed in Korea. 
they would have stayed in all these places, which I guess we kind of stayed in Korea, didn't we? Um, still there. Yeah. Still there. Yeah, yeah. We're still in Korea. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. The, the only way, I guess, to really leave is if we just murder everyone. Yeah, because you can't then, let anyone take control after you leave. Then you leave. <laughs> yeah. But of course, all these people are against our empire building, our nation building, our, our, uh, our what do they call it? colonialism and the uh, all of these things. They're, they're very much against that, except for that they're very much for it uh, whenever it comes to us going to other places and having control and never right. leaving. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and this is uh, this is Paul talking about what his actual oath is. So. We've been there for years, and what message does that send internationally to other allies if we abandon them? I think the only duty we owe, and the only oath I take, is to the Constitution. I didn't promise to take the country to war. I promised not to take the country to war. So did President Trump, by the way. And the, I mean, that's so. Constitution says protecting you from enemies, foreign and domestic. Yeah. And, and there's many of us who feel that this puts us in greater danger because of what it means yeah. vis-a-vis ISIS. I mean, we don't live, you know, we... Okay, so her argument, which he's saying, you know, I promised to not take us to war, and I took an oath to the Constitution, uh, which is obviously protecting us against enemies, foreign and domestic. And so her argument is that, well, this is uh, protecting us from an enemy because ISIS is going to take control over here. And yeah. my my point here is that this is the exact same argument that people have been making forever. And the people have to realize the absolute total hypocrisy right now that's going on, where we have a a table with four leftist liberals around it. I don't know. I don't know if McCain's there or not. She's probably still still technically liberal, more than likely. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we have a, a table with, with four liberals sitting around it that are arguing with a Republican because he wants us to stay out of a war. And they're talking about how we have to go to war because we have threats like ISIS that we have to take care of. And it, I'm just like... Well, when did this happen that that you could go onto a liberal program and get shouted down because you want to not have American troops involved in something? You it's, know, it's only because Trump is doing it. Yeah, it is. That's if the case. If Obama was removing it, then you would have the Republicans up in arms. Yeah, about it's, it. It's hypocrisy on both sides. Yes. yes, it is. And if since Trump is doing it, the Republicans are backing him, except for a few like Lindsey Graham. Yeah. And, you know, the Cheneys and those people that want us to stay at war. Dan Crenshaw. Yeah. Crenshaw and those guys who love nothing but war. Um, But since Trump is doing it now, of course, we have to come after him because anytime the other side does anything, it's always a bad thing. I mean, Trump could like give every American a million dollars or something. And the left would find a reason why it's bad. All well, of a sudden, well, they, they will be into economics. Well, they would do studies about how dangerous inflation is. If, yes. if Trump decided he was going yes. to give everyone a million dollars. Which might be the way to go. Way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> to get them to talk about economics. <laughs> maybe we should. Maybe a libertarian should run on a platform of giving everybody a million dollars just so we could get more yeah. education. And they, they would be like, wow, this is ridiculous. You can't get everyone a million dollars. That yeah. would cause inflation. And prices would go up on everything. And it would devalue the dollar. No, Come on. I believe in the American dream. This generation <laughs> will build the American dream. Everybody deserves a million dollars. I just, and if you are a Republican listening to this and you're a staunch Trump supporter, we said this on our last episode, so maybe you're still mad enough to not be here. I don't know. But what Charlie said is right. 
Um, the that would very be an interesting test, by yeah. the way. I was just thinking about that because I was thinking if Yang can give an you know a tax uh, the universal basic income of a thousand dollars a month, why can't somebody run on a platform of giving every American a million dollars? Like, why you would gain attention? My assumption is that that will be AOC's campaign platform. More than likely, is that she wants to give everyone a million dollars. You would gain. You would definitely gain attention. I've got four years, so twenty twenty, so twenty twenty four. I'm going to run for president on that. Yeah. Just give every, thirty-five. Give everyone a million bucks. Yeah, yeah, that'll sure. be my platform. Send them a check from the <laughs> U.S. government that <laughs> says a million. And then when I get in there, I'm not going to do that, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to disband every single government program you can think of. I've thought about doing that before. About you know maybe I should stop all of this talk that I do every single day, and then a little a little bit run <sighs> on a campaign platform of just crazy leftist liberal enough to get elected. And then once you got elected, you were just like a Trojan horse for the Libertarian Party. You just yes. went in there and dismantled the whole you thing. You got four years. Yeah. I, I just, it would be so amazing I would if just someone run did executive that. order after executive order, just disbanding everybody. Yep. Just take out all the agencies. Mm-hmm. Don't sign a single budget that isn't balanced. Yep. Don't do anything like that. That'd be a pretty- Pull us in- out of all the wars, bring all the troops home. Pretty interesting idea. Yeah. Actually. Um, the last thing we have is another, uh, it's- it's Rand Paul trying to explain the situation again to them because they, as we were joking about before we started talking about this, they, these, the people here on The View do not, how do you put it? They don't know what they're talking about at, at all. They're regurgitating tweets and talking points that they've heard from the Democrat Party and from other liberals that they've listened to and from CNN and MSNBC and whatever. Um, they don't know what they're talking about. And and Rand tries to, like he's done on occasions in the past, he tries to correct them on the things that they're saying because what they're saying is just purely wrong. And he says that. Uh, so this is just one more time he's trying to be rational and talk about what's actually happening over there. How close is too close for Iran to be near Israel? Because this now creates an... A- so I wanted to pause that real quick because now we're on The View... And we're talking about how we have to make sure that we protect Israel from from Iran. Oh, this is weird. Yeah. I mean, just how quickly does it, all of this changes? I thought they were so mad about Trump having an embassy yeah. in the capital. And now it's about protecting Israel. That's, because, that's what it is. Because Israel hates Palestine. And what about Palestine? <laughs> I don't know, man. We Now we have to keep our troops there to protect Israel. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. How close is too close for Iran to be near Israel? Because this now creates an, a huge vacuum where yeah. Iran wants to take over Damascus, which is what they're now going to be capable of doing. And they're going to be that much closer to Israel. Israel, which is in fact one of our closest well, allies. Does that you know, concern you I, actually, at all? I think, I think the whole situation is so confusing that none of us are really getting this right. Actually, Turkey doesn't <laughs> want Iran to take over thing. Israel doesn't want Iran to take over thing. And in fact, Israel actually stands up for themselves all the time. End up being a bigger let war me finish. Let me finish. Don't interrupt. So Iran goes <laughs> against the border. So Iran, I, I am Iran, Iran, Iran comes up You're against the border, and Israel we'll pushes right them back. That, well, that and Damascus is not Israel. That's yeah. Syria. Yeah. Damascus is in Syria, by the way. So, so Iran taking over Damascus, you think Assad's going to allow that to happen? This is what you were saying earlier about how he should have he should have framed up some gotcha questions on there because he absolutely should have. He could have gone and asked them about, um, you know, 
what we're going to do about Aleppo. And then maybe they would have been like, what's Aleppo? You know, there's, there's no, <laughs> no clue what they would have said. You should if you ask them, you know, what, what does the PKK stand for? Yeah. Yeah. And they would have had no idea. What do you guys think we should do about the PKK? Yeah. Do you guys think that we should allow the PKK to run this part of the country, or do we need to make sure that we're there to protect everyone from them? And right. then they could be like, oh, no, we gotta, we have to completely destroy the PKK. Which is the Kurds. <laughs> Which is the Kurds. <laughs> he should have he made the point that he knows what he's talking about, and maybe you should listen to him because he's what you would consider an expert in foreign relations. So he probably knows more about what's going on in a complicated situation than anyone on The View does. And he should have. I wish he would have. I'm going to call his campaign. Yeah, give him a call. Send him an email. Oh, we yeah. just saw him last weekend. Why don't we mention I it then? Said, I could have said something. I saw that picture of you and him, by the way. Oh, my gosh. Yeah? You're so much taller than he is. <laughs> I need to grab that picture. It's crazy because I, it was on a Young Americans for Liberty's uh, yeah. Facebook. I need to go look through and grab him. Ra- just in case you don't you don't know, and it's not a knock on Rand Paul, but it is the truth that he's about 5'7", five, 5'8", five, something like that. I'm a foot taller. <laughs> yeah, and Charlie's 6'8". Yeah. So, um, and I'm probably like, I weigh as much as like two two or three of him. Yeah, more than likely. Yeah. Um, so it was a, it was a pretty... It was a pretty funny picture. You've actually you've taken pictures of him like three times now, and and it's just always funny to me to see the two of you standing next to each other. I bet he hates taking pictures with you. I, I probably leaned over a little bit too. Yeah, I? just kind of I should stand slump down just a little bit straight up. <laughs> okay, so we can go into the, when they switch to socialism on here. We can talk about the comment section on your uh, your comments. We got a few minutes left here. Um. Let's go into socialism. Okay. So we'll go well, in. Well, they kind of tie in together, so maybe we could mention both. It's yeah. possible here. Yeah. So they switch in the talking about socialism after the commercial break. So they went to a commercial break right there because Rand Paul was starting to uh, make them look bad. And so they got mad and switched to a new uh, subject. And this is his book, which is called The Case Against Socialism. So he's on there talking about socialism. I think it's a good thing. You are on the complete other end of that. Tell us about this book. Well, one of the things we learned in writing the book is a lot of people say, well, we're not for Stalin, we're not for Hitler, we're for Scandinavia. So as we were researching the book, we actually found that Bernie Sanders' form of socialism actually is unpopular and he would never get elected to anything in Denmark. In fact, the prime minister of Denmark, when he heard Bernie was going around saying they were socialists, says, no, no, we're not socialists. We have private property, a stock exchange, we have low corporate income taxes, we don't have a minimum wage and the big difference and this is where the big lie comes from bernie says we're going to give you all this free stuff but we're only going to tax the rich people in scandinavia they tax the working class 25 percent sales tax and an income tax starting at sixty thousand is sixty percent so really the difference between their country and our country is they do have more free stuff in scandinavia but they pay for it with massive taxes on the working class and the middle class but we have massive taxes here but we don't get any free stuff we don't have free health care we have a different form of taxation in our country. Ours is much more progressive. So we've taken the poor off of the rolls. They don't pay income tax anymore. Most people below $50,000 don't pay any income tax. The top 1% in our country pay 40%. Our audience 40%. says that's not true. Well, 
the IRS statistics say that the top 1% in our country pay 40% of the income tax and that those making less than $50,000. Donald Trump doesn't pay any income tax. Let me, let me ask, Now this, in this point right here, you can hear the crowd laughing about what he's saying. And everything that he's saying is true. The actual facts, actual statistics. They laughed when he said, actually the bottom 50% of the country doesn't pay any income tax. Which is true. That's true. We talked about that last week. Uh, Now, any, that's a absolute word. That's not the case. They actually, at the end of the day, pay uh, around 3%. Now, it's the bottom 20 or 30%. They actually get more money back than they pay in. So that's why you can say the bottom 50%, they only pay 3% in taxes. And most of our income tax revenue comes from the people in the top 1%. That's what he's saying. And people are literally just laughing at him for saying it. Actual statistics right. from the IRS. They're laughing. Our audience disagrees. Well, yeah. Your audience is dumb. Yeah. Fact, just like you. Facts don't care about your feelings. <laughs> okay? that That's just the case. Thanks, Shapiro. Yeah. <laughs> so, man, that's, that was so frustrating to me because hearing the people in the background laugh about this as if they they know more what they're talking about. They're just laughing based on what they're feeling. Oh, I pay income taxes. Yeah, yeah. and then you get all of it back. When you right. file your taxes at the end of the year, that is not paying income taxes. And they read headlines like Amazon doesn't pay any taxes. And, yeah. When Amazon know. paid like $3 billion in taxes. Right. Exactly. It just wasn't the corporate income tax. Right. So it's, well, it wasn't a, like the federal income tax yeah, the because fe- they yeah. were able to write off billions in losses that it took to get there, by yeah. the way. Now they paid I mean, their- Amazon didn't make money for like 15 years. No yep. one made any money. Yeah, we talked about the other the day. workers got paid. Their total profit so far, all together of all the years that Amazon has been a business, their total net profit, money they've made after expenses, is about $27 billion. Total. Total. Now, they're worth a trillion dollars only because the people in the stock market have deemed them to be that valuable, not because they've profited a trillion dollars. Because right now they think over the lifetime of the company, there could be a trillion dollars worth of worth. Yeah. Well, and I mean, the way that we value things in the stock market, the, you know, we place value in companies that have never made money and say that they will never make money. A lot of value in the stock market is just purely people betting that more people will continue to bet that it will wor- be worth more money. You know, I can invest money in Uber right now at $35 a share and they've never made any money. They've only lost money. And I can invest money in them, and it's not because I think that they're going to eventually be profitable. It's because I think that more people will put money into Uber in the future and will push their stock price up. It has nothing to do with them making money whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing that's happened with Amazon. Amazon was worth hundreds of billions of dollars when they were negative in their net profit, and they were worth all that money. It's a a purely... it's, it's basically made up as far as what their worth is. Right. The worth is what people will pay for each share that is available, and that's it. It doesn't mean that, the, that those corporations have that money. That, that's, those are two very different things. Just like Bitcoin. Yeah, it's not real, okay? <laughs> Just like our paper money. It's, yeah. not, it's not real, okay? so There's a perceived value. So, man, I just had to talk on that because it's so frustrating hearing them argue with him on actual statistics. Yeah. Ugh. I, you know, I live in Miami. There's tens of thousands of Venezuelan exiles living there. You talk a lot about Venezuela in your new, in your new book. I get a lot of um, 
a lot of political ads from the Republican Party. Donald Trump has tweeted this. Many have tweeted this. If you vote for Democrats, they will turn the United States into Venezuela. Do you think that's a fair statement to make? Well, if you vote for a socialist, you might get socialism. Come on. <laughs> Maduro is not a socialist. He's a, he's a corrupt, well, murderous thug well, who is starving his well, people. That's not it's, true. That's yeah, not oh, true. that's not true? It's Maduro's not a thug well, and a murderer no, it's not who's true. starving it's, his people? Well, let's, let's have a conversation here. Chavez was a socialist, and socialism was the economic system and of they Venezuela. Stole. They are, it's and a kleptocracy. So, it's yeah, not but socialism. The, but, but here's the question is, they voted for socialism. They voted for, let uh, me finish. No, I can't let you finish. If you're gonna say my he eventually just says, "If we're not going to have a conversation, then then I'm, he throws his hands up." Like, right. So the point he's trying—he well, missed the end there, though, which was the most maddening part. What's that? Oh, the yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. At the end, like he's just like, "Okay, well, if you're not going to let me finish, then he turns away from her because like she is." What do you call it? I mean, she's femsplaining, I guess. I guess, I guess so. I, I guess don't know. Femsplaining. She's femsplaining, and he turns away because he's like, well, if you're not going to talk to me and let me have a point in the conversation, because that's what you do in a conversation, by the way. Two, uh, two people talk like when, back and yeah, forth. Like you and I. Yeah. We talk, and sometimes we interrupt each other. Yeah. But it's usually civil, and we usually let the other person finish and make their point, and then we add commentary to it, or you make a different point, or whatever. And that's what's happening here is he was like trying to explain how what most people don't understand, because when socialism fails, you got to find something else to blame it on. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, Venezuela's not socialist. Maduro's a thug. That's her point. What Paul is trying to explain to her is that so the socialism, the socialist policies that gave the government the power that it has is what allowed Maduro to be an authoritarian. Yeah. But she wouldn't listen to that. So Paul rightly turns away from her and puts his hand up. It's like, I'm done talking to you. And she decides to say, oh, don't mansplain me. <laughs> well, what are you doing? Yeah. What, like if he, if he turns away and puts his hands up because you won't have a conversation with him, that's mansplaining. Then what were you doing? Femsplaining because you wouldn't let him make a point. I guess so. I, I don't know. These what... freaking buzzwords piss me off. And, and that's and like it got an applause after she said that. I'm just like, what? What's the point you're trying to make? Like, what does gen first? What does gender have anything to do with this conversation at all? We're right. not talking about. She's interrupting him. She's not letting him get his point. She's putting words in his mouth because she says that she says uh, Venezuela is not socialist. Maduro is a evil murderous thug who's starving his people and he says well that's not true and so she's like oh you don't think he's a murderous thug who's who's starving his people and so he's trying to say no I'm not saying he's not a thug I'm saying that it's not true that they're not socialist that's that's what right. he's trying to say but she decides she's going to put those words in his mouth that he was saying that it's not true that he's a thug and won't let him get his response back out at all. It doesn't matter what he says. Right. She won't let him so, talk. It's so maddening. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, just he decides he's not going to talk anymore, and that's mansplaining, right. I guess. That's it, what he was doing. And that leads me into the last part here with the, with the comment section. And what happened was is I was commenting on a, uh, I could say cousin, I guess, a cousin of mine, and what he was saying was that, or, or he, I'm sorry, he posted a meme from the U.S. Democratic Socialist page. And they were talking about uh, countries that um, had all this free health care 
and all of these items and we're the richest country in the world. Why can't we have those items? Yeah. Right. And I pointed out the fact that some of those countries have failed. Like Venezuela was a perfect example. And somebody decides to comment on there and be like, oh, well, you won't accept the ones that are succeeding, like the UK and Scandinavia. You're going to point out the authoritarian ones because the ones that failed, now you have to blame something else. So it's the authoritarian like Venezuela. Well, what this person who came from Venezuela like, how dumb do you have to be? You came from the socialist paradise, which is now turned into a murderous authoritarian thug who runs it. What allows an authoritarian to come into power? Did Maduro storm Venezuela? Did he storm the beaches of Venezuela with troops and overtake Venezuela in a thuggish, murderous way? Or... Uh when Chavez died, did the people of Venezuela elect him to run their socialist paradise? It must have been the Storming the Beaches one, right? It would have had to be if he's a thug. Yeah. he's. Just, I mean, socialism didn't cause Maduro to be in power. No. Not at all. There's no way. No, no. Not one bit. This is what I don't understand. How do you not, you know, how can you not, in, in this case, correlation equals causation? Because how can you not correlate? The fact that Maduro is able to get away with what he's able to get away with, with the fact that he has that power because of the socialist policies that were implemented. When a government takes over private industry, like they did in Venezuela, which is a socialist paradise. Now, Chavez, when they took over the oil industry and they took all of this oil money and they gave it to the people, they had free health care, they had free college, they had all of these things, and it worked really good for like 10 years. And then all of a sudden... The money's gone. Your socialist paradise is in ruins. Chavez died. Maduro took over during the good times. And then all of a sudden, when all of this happens and your economy collapses, Maduro was a, was authoritarian the whole time. And he's not going to starve to death. Of course not. He's part of the elite. So what happens? These authoritarians take over and they implement their will because they the government was given the power to be able to do that to begin with. This is why we talk about all the time. It's not the people that are in power. It's the power. You don't fear anything else. You don't fear Trump. You don't fear Sanders. You don't fear any of that. You fear the power that the government can have over your life. And that's exactly why we speak out against socialism the way we do. The reason why Rand Paul wrote a book called the case against socialism the reason why we're so we advocate so much against socialist policies is because it gives the government the power that leads to the atrocities that we've seen take place in history. <clears throat> like socialism led to Lenin and Stalin. Socialism led to uh, Cambodia and the issues that happened there. Socialism led to Vietnam and the things that happened there. China. Like, if you think America is such a bad place, go live in China. Try to be a Christian in China. Like, you get murdered, right? And it's like, try, or, or try getting a nice meal in Venezuela. You yeah. know, like, try doing that. And the other thing we've talked about is, like, the rich people will leave. 
That's exactly what happened in Venezuela. Yeah, I was going to say. The rich people left. The, they were They're rather, gone. When the government decided that they were going to take over the the oil industry, it wasn't just the oil industry they took over. They took over, they were taking over all of the industries. I remember stories about, I believe it was Coca-Cola that had a really big manufacturing plant there in Venezuela. And they ended up leaving because the I government think, yeah, was, was controlling every everything that they were doing. And so they decided they were going to leave. And so a lot of the fallout is now blamed on those evil capitalist businesses leaving Venezuela, which is in fact not what started that. It was the government that was taking over all of those companies that caused that to happen. But now they've they've been able to blame it on those capitalists who left the country. They took all their money and left. Uh, <laughs> so it's 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 really crazy this whole this whole back and forth that we have, and and now no one wants to accept that Venezuela is an example of socialism because now it's gone far past what people wanted it to be, to where they don't call it socialism anymore. Mm-hmm. Now it's a, an authoritarian regime. Yeah, and and so they don't want to talk about it being socialism anymore. And, like we said, what led to it becoming this regime? You can talk about Denmark and and the UK and all this stuff. Like Rand Paul said in that video, good point. Yeah, um, they have Denmark has a sixty percent income tax on people making more than sixty thousand dollars a year. Sixty percent income tax and a twenty five percent sales tax on everyone. So now, middle class in America now, by the way, yeah, middle class in America, family of four. I think the the median income that you need to make to support a family of four is like $80,000. Yeah. Now imagine, now people who make $80,000 on a family of four pay like maybe 10% tax rate, right? I think, yeah, it's somewhere around there, like 10%. Because I remember last time, and I have a smaller family, but last time I made somewhere around $90,000, I think I paid like a little over $10,000 in income tax after I got my child deductions and, and all of that, right? Yeah. So that's somewhere around 10%. So right now that's what you pay. Pay 50% more. 50% more. So you make 80 grand a year supporting a family of four. You're left over with 35 after you pay 60%? Yeah. And the 35 pro- grand. The problem is the response from that with what you're saying right there is that, well, if we're getting all these things provided to us, then why do I care? Sure, I'll pay all that tax if I'm getting everything for free, if I get free education and free healthcare and all this. And the problem is it, it doesn't work for very long. When we talk about these countries in Denmark, we've said this a billion times, those countries have the population of a U.S. city, uh, one U.S. city they have the population of. You look at these different countries, even Canada, massive country, has the population of the state of California. That's it. So when you're talking about the government and their efficiency in providing all of these resources to everyone, you're talking about something the size of your city government being able to allocate resources to your city efficiently. Now, they might be able to do that. Barely. They might be able to. Now, I still don't want them to do that. That's, but this is one reason that you want to keep your government small and local. You might be able to keep it efficient if just your city is taking care of your city, and that's it. But when you balloon it up to a federal government that's taking care of 330 million people, we have no examples of that ever working. In fact, we just have examples of a lot of people dying. That's all the examples that we have. Mm -hmm. Um, When you take a population that is that size, you've got the Soviet Union, 
and you've got China and maybe India and some places like that where they've actually instituted some of these policies that Warren and Sanders want to, well, now the entire democratic field want to implement. We do not have any examples of this ever going well. We have examples of millions of people starving to death when you look at the actual population and the size of our country. Denmark is not an example. It is not a comparison. It has the population of New York City. Britain is not an example. Plus, get on your news app and go ahead and subscribe to anything that talks about the NHS, the National Health Services, which is what takes care of all of the health care for the people in the UK, I guess. Every single day, at least every single week, you see news stories about nurse shortages, about doctor shortages, about their ER times being up at eight hours right now. All of these things, if you actually subscribe to anything that has that keyword, NHS, in it, um, if you want to do that, then you will actually see what's really going on in those countries. Doctors are closing their practices. which is shortages on all of these things, which is them deciding when people can and can't have care all the time. We've seen stories of them deciding that they had to let people die instead of instead of having life-saving surgeries or allowing them to be moved to other countries where they would allow them to have life-saving mm-hmm. uh, medical care. So it's not just all, you know, flowers and rainbows like people want it to be when they when they talk about it. Go ahead and search NHS. It's the National Health Services, I believe. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Some of those words. Uh, and search that's, for wait times in Canada. Yeah, look them up. Look how look how long you'd have to wait to get an MRI in Canada. What is it like five six months, right. something like that? And you could also say like, you know. By the way, Canada doesn't even provide prescription drugs. You still have to pay for that. Yeah, they do not provide free drugs. Nope. And so you have to think like, okay, that that has problems, right? And you also have to say capitalism has problems too. Like capitalism isn't a perfect system, but when you have the choice between the government controlling every aspect of your life and not being free and you have problems. Yeah. Or you are free to make your choice. Competition makes things cheaper. At least some things are more inefficient and it's not perfect, but you have your freedom and you still have some problems. Which one do you choose? Like which one do you would, would you rather have? And ultimately that comes down to a choice of responsibility. Yeah. Like, do you want to be responsible for yourself and be able to live and make something of yourself or do you want everything provided for you and you just want to, you know, eat crumpets <laughs> and <laughs> I heard that. your beanbag? I was watching a Milton Friedman video this week and um, this weekend and he said, he said it in a way I'd never heard anyone say it before when it was a discussion between public and private. He said the discussion we're having right now between public and private is this, um, who do you want to be in control of the services? Do you want the customers to be in control of what services they're getting? Or do you want politicians to be in control that's of what services? That's a good point. That was it. He said that's all we're discussing right now is whether or not the customers should have the control or the politicians and the government should have the control. That's the argument you got to have. And when you have these people online, start talking about these Scandinavian countries. Shut it down immediately because you cannot compare a country that has the pop- a 12 million people person population the population of new york city or new york state or illinois the size of the one of one of our states one of our states and that many people you cannot compare that to a country that has 2000 mile long borders and 330 million people in it if anything 
the conversation about the Scandinavian countries is an argument for why we should have the state governments controlling everything and not the federal government. You can at least push it into that conversation. Hey, why don't we at least, instead of having the federal government run everything, why don't we be pushing for our states to be doing this? Because that's the actual size. That's the actual population that we're talking about here. So anyway, that's just a good way to respond to them. We, we, uh, that was our comment section for today. Charlie, you came back. Hey, what's up? Yeah, my meeting was canceled. Good. So I wanted good. to sign off and tell everyone uh, bye-bye. Yeah, so um, that's that's going to do it for us today. Go follow us on Instagram at Good Morning Liberty, Twitter at Good AM Liberty, and Facebook. Look us up, Good Morning Liberty. Man, we cannot say thank you to you guys enough. By the way, our numbers are ridiculous right now on Facebook. I'm going to post something about it when it hits when it hits a million. But we've got about we got about eight thousand followers on Facebook. Okay, it's not the biggest Facebook in the world, but with those eight thousand followers we have been able to reach 909,000 people in the last month. Almost a million. Yeah, so you guys are you guys are doing the good work out there sharing our posts, sharing our videos, sharing our articles. We're getting this message of liberty and individualism out to the people and that's what we need to be doing. We got to keep doing it. We're getting we're reaching almost a million right now with our 8,000 followers. Imagine how many we're going to reach when we have a million followers. It's going to be amazing. It'll be the whole world. Yeah. So go to our website bernielies.com or lizlies.com if you guys want to read some great articles on politics and economics. And so. that that well one they lie. They do lie. They do. And yes. we debunk all of those. Great articles out there and there's also a shop did you tell them about the shop? I didn't say anything about the shop yet, no. If you believe in liberty and you want to support what we're doing, one way to do that is to get some swag at the same time. So t-shirts, stickers, mugs, whatever you can think of to show off your liberty values, you can get those at goodmorningliberty.us slash shop. Or there's a great link, gmlconnect.com. All kinds of good stuff on there, so go check all of that out. If you guys do that, we'll be back again tomorrow. I'm out for a couple days this week, Wednesday and Thursday. Yeah. And I'll be might, I'll be here though. I might be out the next week too. <laughs> so, there's a lot of uh, work and other things going on, so, so I'm just going to pour all of my thoughts out into so, the podcast. So, you guys might be stuck with Nate, uh, <laughs> you know, which is a, you know, he's good. So, it's not I know you'll miss me. Uh, send me an email. Let me know how awesome I am. <laughs> There's a lot of pressure when you sit down, by the way. Uh, I mean, you haven't done one yet, and I hope you do sometime. But when you sit down and there's no one else in the room, and, would, you, and you have to put together coherent speech and thoughts yeah. for an hour. I'm going to crush it. Yeah. It, it's There's some pressure. When I do it, I'll crush it. <laughs> I'll teach you. You just haven't done it yet because you don't want to make me feel bad. That's what That's, it is. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want to make you look bad. Yeah. Because you not only are you a friend and a and a and a coworker, you're just you know, you're a friend. Yeah. Not only <laughs> are you a friend, but you're a friend. Yes, exactly. Yeah. All right, guys. Do you do all that? We'll be back here tomorrow. I hope you have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.